0: Brandcrastination. Any idea what that means? If you do anything creative or entrepreneurial, you definitely do. But you might not have heard that term before. That's why I'm excited about today's guest, Rachel K. Albers. The temptation is to make everything absolutely perfect before putting it out into the world. But how much does that actually help your brand or project? Is there enough ROI on the extra four hours tweaking that color of gray in your logo? Sometimes maybe, other times, probably not. Rachel challenges those ideas in this episode and really gives some great insight into what it means to build a business or brand. And she lays out some really important ideas and strategies to use on whatever it is you're doing. One of the biggest lessons I've had to learn is the difference between a long and short game mentality and what kind of effect both of those have on success as a creative or entrepreneur. Long-term dedication returns tenfold over the years, and if you struggle understanding or seeing the fruit in that like I did for so long, buckle up, because Rachel is about to blow it up for you. I'm Sean Waldron, and this is Tension Theory.
1: you know, brand procrastination is the process of getting in your head and waiting to launch until you've, you've got a certain level of what you perceive to be production quality or, you know, polish on your brand. And so Mm -hmm. I work with people on branding their businesses, web design, marketing strategies, and I always see brand procrastination come up as we're in the design phase and we're getting closer to launch, like we've yeah. gotten strategy out of the way. We've got their logo now. Now we're really almost there. And yeah. this is where people will start getting into a place where they're like, let's just tweak this shade of gray for three weeks. <laughs> oh, <You
0: know? Yeah. laughs> I know it will. Yeah.
1: And, you know, this is not going to make them more money. This is not going to make or break their brand. But I realized, oh, you know, after having this happen so many times, oh, this is this person's subconscious coming in. Trying yeah. to delay the launch and delay the doing of the thing because they're scared and because there's a lot of you know they're scared of being visible, they're scared of the next phase of work to come, they're mm-hmm. scared of you know all of the how are people going to perceive them, and so then they get into the nitty gritty, and um and I I have a lot of you know friends in different industries that have been talking about doing a podcast or doing a whatever fill in the blank or a video show for months or years and they don't do it and they don't do it. And they're like, Oh, I'm just polishing my YouTube channel trailer or I'm just <laughs> trying to come up with like the craziest idea that anyone's ever heard in their life so that people will listen. And it's like, that's Brad procrastination in the wild right there. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, because I know it so stinking well, I know it so stinking well um, from the literal brand side and from, like, a, a video production side mm-hmm. because we do the same thing as as DPs and as directors. It's like, well, let me just tweak that light a little bit. Let me, like, make this as perfect as possible before we hit record. And there's good things about that. And then there's also, like, time-sucking things about that where it's just when, you know, when Seth Godin says, just launch it. Mm-hmm. Just put it out. Like, you got it. You got to send it. Um, are, there, are there simple things you can do to fight that on like a daily basis? Because I know there's, you know, larger strategies, but is there maybe talk to somebody who's going through that right now? Is there something simple like that you can just say, hey, just do it?
1: Well, I think, you know, I'm, I batch out different activities that I do, whether it's with my brand or with my content. And so I've got kind of a bird's eye view of what my month is going to look like in the overall long-term plan. And so anytime Uh I get caught in procrastination, I have to kind of go and look at the plan and say, is it worth moving the rest of my schedule to accommodate my perfectionism right now? For example, um, is this going to make me more money? Is this going to get me a new client? This one, little, you know, Mm. I'll be putting together an episode Mm -hmm. of awkward marketing and I will get into that place where I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I should just, you know, polish that background image a little bit more, just make a little, and I'm like, Rachel, is this truly, are are people going to notice this? Is this going to mean that people engage with the video more? Is this going to affect my long-term bottom line goals? And that really typically jolts me out of the brand procrastination land and Mm. I also think it's getting into a mindset. And this is where I think a lot of people struggle, especially because there's so many conflicting messages out there. But it's getting into the mindset that your brand and your marketing and your content are a living, breathing thing that are always mm-hmm. evolving, knowing that mm-hmm. there is no perfect, there is no done, that it's a constant process like we were talking about earlier, layering. It's just layer by layer by layer. You're you're adding new layers of complexity and polish every time you do something. Mm-hmm. So when you're in that mindset, it kind of helps you to relax a little bit into the doing of the thing is what yield, and also the putting things out there and letting your audience respond is the thing that's going to get you to that next level of polish it's not going to be in your own head so having that mindset i think is is really key
0: man i i just wrote something similar in a blog post last night um brand strategy market testing uh and this is all geared around failure because I'm, you know, as as you're talking, I'm kind of translating this into a fear of failure. Like I don't want to put this out and it fails. So I yeah. need to do everything possible perfect so that it succeeds 100%. Absolutely. Um, and if I don't feel like that, then I don't want to put it out. Um, I as in like the, you know, collective I. Yeah. Um, but I, what I was talking about last night was like brand strategy and market testing like the process exists to fail until it succeeds mhm and and maybe that's what you're saying with like let the audience respond put it out let the audience respond because that's essentially going to tell you what's succeeding and what's not succeeding and then you can succeed more after that
1: it's literally the only way actually there's very few mm. examples or case studies that you could come up with of a brand, a company, a business that got it all right in the ideation phase and then just ran Mm -hmm. with that. And that was Mm -hmm. a massive success. Um, You know, I was talking with my mastermind about this and we kind of came up with a little song where we're like, the key to marketing is test and pivot, test, test and pivot test test pivot <laughs> pivot test and pivot and i think this is this is a challenge for me and this is one of the things i try to educate about in my content before i bring a client on board is that yeah. people want you to come in and just make the strategy and then they're just going right. to run with the strategy and it's going to make them a million bucks and it's like you know the the this is why I think a lot of small business owners struggle with their marketing because they think it meet. you know, they think that it comes down to, I create a plan, I do the plan, money comes in. And it's like, no, you create a plan and then you do the plan and then you, you know, you tweak the plan and then you try it again and then you tweak it again and you try mm-hmm. it again. And that is what you'll do for the rest of your business. Mm-hmm. And this is what I think pushes, a lot. if you don't come into business, especially if you're a small business with this mindset, marketing will really get you down. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. will still a lot, like a couple hours a week for marketing. They'll be like, why isn't it working? And it's like, this is an ongoing thing. It's part of the maintenance of your business. And if you don't have the mindset that it's going to be a a constantly evolving process, that you're constantly tweaking, this is where people burn out. This is where their businesses fail, you know?
0: Yeah. I I want to know, when you started out, were you... In tune with the process, or were you the same, you know, were you your customer at that point? Were you trying to make everything perfect?
1: Um, no, I was not. And there's a good reason for that. And it's a gift and a curse. Is you know, Uh when I started my business in the early days, I was living in southern Mexico. I was doing nonprofit work and pro bono work, and that's what I started the business to do, is to fund that work. I had sold all my stuff and moved down there and I had maybe a couple thousand. I mean, I feel like I had $900. That's what I'm pretty sure I had. I had 900 bucks to live on. And so I had the urgency and the need to make money. And in that, it made me just go. I I had no luxury Mm. of being Mm -hmm. a perfectionist. Like I wasn't like one of my clients that you know, if we work with a startup that's kind of just getting off the ground, we will spend Mm -hmm. six months in the branding process and we will Mm -hmm. really just luxuriate in talking about our offerings and talking about how are we going to position and the message and the voice. I didn't have the luxury of spending six months doing that. I had to just go out there and get dirty. And even down to the business, even down to the name of my business, my, my agency is called RKA Inc with a K, uh, with a K. Right. And I mean, people will be like, wow, how did you come up with that name? I'm like, well, my name kind of sucks because I came up with it in like 30 seconds. I was sitting there putting <laughs> together my little website. I'm like, you know, back then I was doing a lot more copywriting. So I'm like, Ink, it works. I'm RKA and Ink is cute because it's a play on Incorporated, except there's a K. Oh my gosh, I'm hilarious. Let's just go. I didn't spend yeah. six months like, you know, in in the naming process. I just ran with it. Yeah. I just did it. And that was a gift. That was a gift because it did make me just, you know, it forces me to just try things and test them out and not get it in my own head. Um, mm-hmm. And just keep rolling from there, you know?
0: Would you say that you've developed that skill over time? Maybe a better way to ask that because you come from a theater background. Correct. Um, where, like, that is the point. Like, you, you – kind of set aside yourself and you step out on stage and you have to become something else and you just have to try stuff. You have to, you know, uh, go for it, essentially. Because uh, theater, like, you can't hold back. If you, if you hold back in theater, correct me if I'm wrong, I wasn't a theater person, but if you hold back in theater, like, you're just not gonna do it.
1: I mean, you gotta go all out, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I would say what I've honed over time is the structure to my process like in a method to my madness if you will um Mm. and that's what I have kind of been able to develop over time because in the beginning I had no structure I had no system it was just like try this keep going try this keep going it Mm -hmm. wasn't I wasn't a b testing things I was just testing things randomly um yeah And as I grew and I worked with more and more clients, that's when I was able to see patterns. That's when I was able to create my own um, signature system for how do I approach the work so it's not just all randomly throwing spaghetti at the wall. So now I do have a process to everything I do while I still allow for... I allow for creativity and within the process is the breathing room for we're going to try and then we're going to pivot. So it's built in now. And whereas in the beginning, there was no, there was no method at all. It was just, just try stuff and see what, if I can make some freaking money and pay, you know, buy a taco, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Amen to that. Do you, as you work with clients now, do you see a pattern of people, mostly geared towards like, I got to, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I got to make everything perfect. Like, is there a pressure for them to succeed? Or do you find people coming in with like this, I don't know, ease about them? Like, okay, cool. Let's go through the process and let's figure this out.
1: I think I work with a lot of people who are used to being in control because I work with a lot of, I work with executives. I work with company founders. I work with entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. right? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so that's why I actually created the process that I did for taking clients through the work because I have to train them in the beginning to let me lead them um yeah. and that has also been a big pivot in terms of going from a freelancer mentality to an agency owner mentality and yeah. leading a project um because there's a lot of designers out there that are just like hey what do you like like I'll just copy that like whatever you know what you know and, and the client then mm-hmm. gets used to coming in and essentially doing the person's work for them in many ways. So I have, I find that the client needs to surrender a little bit to my leadership to get the best results, you know, because there's a reason they hire a branding and marketing and design person. It's because that's not what they do, nor is it what they should be doing. They should be focusing on their business. So I have to spend some time. And that's why I have such a structured process. I have to spend some time teaching and training my clients to let me lead them um so that they can focus on what's most important for them so I would say probably not do I I, some once in a while I get a great client that's like you just lead the way and I will follow every you know (laughs) and that's beautiful I'm like clone yourself and I'll just work with all of you for the rest of my life
0: yeah for sure (laughs) for sure but business owners Um, are
1: control freaks like we are come on you know
0: Well, and you should be because it's your baby and it's like something that you're passionate about. And if you don't really, you know, if you don't have any ownership in it, then why the heck are you doing it?
1: Yeah. Um, And most business owners are control freaks also by necessity. You know, you when you start delegating and bringing people on, you're going to have if you don't take a leadership role like for themselves within their own teams, uh, they're going to get crappy work. They're going to get walked all over. So um, but then when I am in, when it, when I'm working with a client myself, it's a, it's fun to kind of watch them allow themselves to be led. And what that, what creative juicy stuff comes up as they let go of the reins and realize, Hey, I've got an expert and a professional that's guiding me. I don't Mm -hmm. need to micromanage this. I can just focus on, you know, the next step that they've laid out in front of me. And that's, that's fun and challenging, and it's it's the process, you know.
0: Yeah, and and what you're doing is you're building the person, which is and then going to build the business through there. Because as they become more connected to who they are, right, I feel like their business is going to be better, and and that ties into some of the blog posts that I really latched onto. Um, one, the first one being, uh, you don't want Marie Forleo's website. Um, and then the other, the Hunter, no, Lewis Howe, um, these, these clients would come to you and they would say, I want this website because it looks awesome. And you started realizing like, no, you don't want that website. You might want the website, but what you really want is the lifestyle. What you really want is to be as confident and as powerful and as influential as Marie Forleo. Correct. Yes. Um, so how, how has that, Approach seeing how these people come to you, and they're like, "I want these things," and then you get to see kind of the layer beneath those desires. How has that evolved you as a as a uh, business owner, as a service provider?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I wrote that article about Marie Forleo a few years ago, and it was this big light bulb moment. Of I had all of these people coming to me again and again, and they were like, you know, I always ask people, "What brands do you like? What designs do you like?" And you know, everyone well it feels like everyone a a big percentage of the people that come my way name people like Marie Forleo or Lewis Howes or just fill in the blank right with other you know business influencers and but when we would dig into that it would become very clear well it's not necessarily the fonts they like and it's not necessarily the photos they like and it's not necessarily the Mm -hmm. layout they like it's not the design it's it's like just what you said. They want to be, or they want Marie's audience. They want Marie's charisma. They want her lifestyle. They want her, uh, traction in the marketplace. They want all of those things. That's what they want. Not, you know, this design. So now it's allowed me when I'm speaking with clients and they bring up those influencers, I, I'm not putting my focus on necessarily the mechanics of what they do. I'm not focused on the granular, like, oh, you want this shade of pink, or you want to have this type of funnel. It's more like, oh, you uh, admire this or that part. This is, this is a part of the type of business you want to run. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: And
1: Mm -hmm. then we can focus on that. And I think, especially because I work on design, uh, it's hard to find designers that also understand business and marketing strategy. Um, so my clients have worked with people who are like, oh, you like Marie's website? Let's just make a similar website to that. Let's just copy that. And that's not really getting to the heart of what's going to, I mean, you know, first of all, Marie did not start with the brand she has today. She, there's been at least a dozen iterations of the Marie Forleo brand over the years. So that's where we've got to, you know, take it a step back and say, okay, if this type of business structure or business lifestyle is what you want. Let's talk about the stepping stones to get you there from here to there. And that's where I'm putting my focus, not on design and not on even Mm. necessarily content or, you know, it's really about this is where you want your business to be. Okay. Let's talk about what it takes to get you there because it's not Mm -hmm. copying that person's website.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. shoot. I love it. I freaking love it. (laughs) Um, there's like four things I wanted to ask you about, and I'm just trying to figure out which one I want to go with next. Well, let's go with this. Tension within any sort of creative pursuit is inevitable, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You're gonna You're gonna experience it. Our first uh, reaction to that is usually to like sidestep it, to run away, to get away from it. But if you can stay in that tension and experience that tension right. and soak it up for all it's worth, you're gonna You're gonna get a lot more out of it. Um, when you think about that and you think about what you're doing, um, I want to get into the awkward marketer a little bit with this. Um, how have you experienced that tension and how has it affected what you're doing?
1: So, one way that this tension and I'm always experiencing it, ever experiencing it, um, comes up is every time I publish a video and I get some level of success and traction with that video, I immediately mm-hmm. feel this panic. That's like, oh, my gosh, how am Mm. I going to top that? How am I going Mm. to every time I level up um, when I'm done with the leveling up process? There's this great relief of, oh, look what I did. Here's what I've accomplished. Like people are loving it. And then immediately a terror of how can I possibly ever replicate the success of whatever I just did? Right. You know, and and this fear of like, well, how am I going to be able to go bigger? How am I going to be able to, you know, expand and and try wh- wh- where's the next idea going to come from yeah. that's a source of just constant tension for me
0: <laughs> you for know sure, and I think yeah. for every
1: create it's like when you're creating creative work and something lands you, of course you wanted it to land right that's what you were going for yep. you wanted to be able to start a dialogue to to provoke people to inspire them um but then immediately then there's that blowback of The imposter syndrome in your brain or that part of your brain that says that's the last time you'll ever do that. Right. You know, Mm -hmm, in the acting mm -hmm. world, you're only as good as your last movie or your last show or Mm -hmm. um, and yet that tension is what, you know, you think that you've kind of tapped your last diamond and then it's under that pressure that the next, you know, that you're, the next diamond is excavated. I don't know about diamond mining. I don't know what I'm doing with this analogy. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that type of pressure is what makes you level up. Like we were saying, it's always about, you know, starting with one layer and then you layer on the next and you layer on the next and you layer on the next. And you're always getting bit better every single time you do something. And yeah. so... Um, That's what keeps me, my creativity flowing is how, I mean, if it was just easy and everything was just coming um, and you were on autopilot, I think that's part of being an artist is always wanting, having as much as you've just finished a wonderful piece of art, immediately your appetite is wet again for where's the next challenge? What's the next great piece of art?
0: Hey there. Thanks for listening today. Rachel is one of those guests that every answer to a question is a goldmine and as I've been listening back through this episode I'm constantly pulling out new bits of strategy and inspiration to chew on. I'm stoked she had time to do this and also that you're taking the time to listen. If you like the show and you want to support it please do me a solid and leave a rating and comments on iTunes. That might seem small and insignificant but The truth is, it's super important to gaining more traction in this giant world of a billion podcasts. And I want these guests and what they have to say to hit as many ears as possible because I feel like the wisdom and encouragement is so needed against the pressure to be perfect all the time. So with your help, that could totally happen. And off the soapbox, thank you for your support, seriously. Next... Rachel digs deeper into ways to build content for your brand or business.
1: I batch my content. So my video content, that is, because a lot of my written content is when it comes to blogging and what I share on social media, that's much more organically what's coming up for me that day. So I don't
0: do... And it's quicker.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, if I'm writing an Instagram post, that's a micro blog, and then I can expand it into a big blog. And um, so, but that's a good point. So I'll stop here for a second and say, um, Instagram is my favorite social platform for many reasons. And um, I get a lot of great ideas from that because I do treat it as, um, it is a good way to, it's like a writing... um, practice, because I'm engaged on a regular basis on Instagram. And I like to have a certain amount of posts that I put out per week. I, I treat, you know, I'll, sometimes it's just how do I want to, what's the next photo in the grid going to be? And then I'll use Mm -hmm. the photo as a way of, you know, a writing prompt essentially. And that just kind of keeps me fresh. And then that turn, I'll turn that into a bigger blog that I'll put on my website. And so, in that way, I'm kind of putting my own feet to the fire to generate content on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. But on the awkward marketing end of things, which is my video show, I batch that. And so I have long periods where I'm not creating new episodes and all of the content is already done. And mm-hmm. those are the breathing spaces for me to have the ping with the client or the conversation with a friend or I see this on the street. Yeah. And, it, and then I have just a big l- file. Actually, it's like my notes app on, on uh my phone. I just have probably yeah. like three hundred notes that are all titled "awkward marketing idea." Blah 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 blah, yep. blah. And then when I'm ready to batch a new season, I've got all of the ideas, right? They're all written down, and so, yeah. um, I've given myself a lot of breathing room in between shooting the episodes to come up with a ton of stuff, so that by the mm-hmm. time I'm sitting down to plan out a season, which I'm actually doing right now, I've mm-hmm. had, I've had some space between the last shoot because and the and la- the last editing process because that is very draining creatively you know
0: for sure yeah
1: so I give myself that breathing room so it's both it's it's allowing myself to be inspired in the moment because that's I mean that is where the best content comes from I don't just sit down and come up with my entire plan in one day um yeah. it's coming to me over the year and then that all goes into a batch that I create at one time so yeah that's how the sausage gets made
0: yeah and it's awesome because. Just strategically, like you were saying, like Instagram is so easy. It's so quick, uh, not easy as like, it's easy to do, but they're micro blogs. And then you can build off of that into a more right uh, robust blog. But those are like very organic in the moment, quick. It's almost like texting a friend. Like you're right. not, you're not going to spend like, you know, two weeks planning out the text of what should we have for dinner. It's literally like, yo, let's go do this for dinner. Um, But then the bigger stuff, the, you know, the meatier, um, heavier content, if you can batch that out, it's just gonna make it easier for everybody and yourself to digest because you have a plan for the next X amount of days, X amount of weeks. And in those X amount of weeks, you can continue planning the next X amount of weeks or whatever it is. Um, So I think, I think that's super important for me to hear and for everybody listening to hear is like if you can batch make stuff it's going to free you up to do the next thing and it's going to build excitement for the next thing do you feel the same way
1: totally and i think as a small business owner with a ton of irons in a many fires it's mm-hmm. i think one big thing that i see most small businesses struggle with is creating content in a sustainable way on a regular basis without getting burned out um, and marketing in a sustainable way. And so uh, there's no possible way that I could create the content that I do if I were not batching because then it, I mean, I simply cannot dedicate, you know, 30 hours a week to this. So I have to spend, Mm -hmm. you know, a big chunk of time doing a lot of work at once so that then I'm set up for success long term um and i don't allow the the madness of life to dictate whether i market that week or not you know so the content yep. is done it just needs to be polished for each new episode that i put out um and so that yep. keeps me honest in terms of uh being consistent with what i'm putting out there but then at the same time you know, I also do that in the moment, spontaneous content, which I am do, you know, and I'm and Instagram is a good example because there is a lower barrier there. It doesn't feel like I'm sitting down to write a blog. It's like, I just need to write a little micro blog, you know, mm-hmm. get a little bit of engagement, spark people's curiosity and going into it with that attitude versus, oh, I'm going to go write a 1500 word blog post right now, which could take mm-hmm. me eight hours, um, mm-hmm. allows the ideas to flow a lot more freely. And then that blog, the longer blog, which comes out of the micro blog gets written so much faster, you know?
0: Yep, yep. So, yeah. I love that. And burnout is definitely a a theme I talk about often. And I think this is a great way to combat that, um, to batch stuff, to make stuff uh, easily digestible for everybody. And I think, like, that goes back to layering. That goes back to the process. Yes. Um, And one key aspect of that, which is another thing I wanted to ask you about, Um, is just this long game versus short game view Mm. where I think burnout really comes from this short game perspective. And if you can get out of that perspective and make more of like a long game perspective, maybe using batch content, maybe understanding that your business is going to take some time to develop, to get layers on, to improve, um, that just sets you up for more success going down the road.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Um, I think that this is what most people don't, it's not sexy to think about the long game, right? We like Mm -hmm. short term Mm -hmm. results. Um, but when it comes to content specifically and your marketing and your branding, it's all long game stuff. But what's cool Mm. about that is it helps you to relax a little bit around like having all the pressure of, I, I see a lot of people that are stressed because, oh, I wrote this blog or I created this video and I didn't immediately make money from it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I didn't get new yep. clients from this one blog. So there must yep. be something wrong. And when you're looking at like the long game of building your brand awareness of, you know, training your clients of, um, creating an archive of content that's going to educate your prospects and your leads, all that kind of stuff Yeah. versus I blog to have a direct ROI of money that comes directly from that blog, then you can relax yeah. around that and you can allow your creativity to flow versus having the pressure of I'm going to write this one thing or make this one video that's going to be a game changer for my business and make me a bazillion dollars, you know?
0: For sure. Well, and you said it in another post. Uh, I think you said the stuff you do now is loving your future self. Like the content that you can put out right now, um, it might not get you a bazillion dollars tomorrow, but two years down the line, that post right there might be the one that like continues to bring you clients. Like the Marie Forleo uh, post that you wrote, wrote two years ago. Is that what you said? I
1: think three at this point. Yeah.
0: Three. Three. Like people still come and seek you out because they're like, yes, that's what it is. That's the thing that I've been looking for. Like, I don't want Marie's yep,
1: yep.
0: website. I want Marie. Um, and it brings you it brings you the clients. So the stuff that you can do right now is loving the person you're going to be two years, three years, five years, 10 years down the line.
1: Yes. The content you create today is a gift you give your future self. So that's what it's all about, baby.
0: Shoot. I love it. Um switching gears how does it feel now are are you still a fan of like the theater uh aspect like are you still a fan of theater
1: of course once a theater kid always a theater kid yes
0: so so let me ask you this how does it feel to be able to bring that passion directly into what you're doing does it does it free you up like, is it, is it fuel for you?
1: Oh yeah. Big time. I mean, I feel like it's uh, theater and performing or it's like the one that got away. It's like the boyfriend I broke up with and then never stopped thinking about the rest of my <laughs> life, you know?
0: For sure. Um, yeah. Yep.
1: And so having it come back, you know, bringing it back into my business has been as it, like, you know, getting back together with your first love of the love of your life. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, I am an artist I am a creative and so really I mean the good thing and and this is I think a key in when you're choosing what content to create is it's got to be something that energizes you and fulfills you on its own the creation of the thing. Um, which I think is challenging for a lot of people because a lot of people approach content like, oh, it's you know, it's like going to the dentist. It's like flossing. You know, they do it because they have yeah. to, but nobody loves it. You know, they struggle to love it. So that's part of what pushes me to keep going with this particular type of content, like with my video show. And there are long hours I put into it, and there are late nights where I'm editing stuff. And it is the love and the passion that helps to keep me going. You know, so. It is the very best surprise that my life could hand me because I kind of left the theater world behind. I thought it was over for, you know, I said goodbye to that and I missed it. I really missed it. And and in the early days of my business, when I was helping build my clients' brands, I realized that I I had a little bit of jealousy. I was kind of jealous of them because I was like, ah, like there was this part of me that wanted to be out there. I didn't realize it, but it was, I wanted to be visible. I wanted to be creating my own thought leadership. I had something to say. I, you know, I was... In the early days, I was coaching one of my clients on giving a speech and I was, you know, from from a performance perspective and I was helping her to Mm -hmm. improve her speech. And I'm like, oh, man, Mm -hmm. if I I could get up and deliver this speech, what would I do? I could totally nail it. And so it was important for me to bring that back in. So I'm not sitting over here being jealous of my clients. (laughs) And at the same time, one of the reasons I do my show is to be a model for my clients this yeah. is what it looks like to create long-term sustainable uh, marketing content. This is what it looks like yeah. to, you know, create stuff that makes people sit up and pay attention, which is what everybody wants. Yeah. So I'm yeah. walking my talk and, and that or walking my walk um, because like we were saying, that's why I batch because it's so easy as a as a doer and a maker to stop like for other people to stop doing and making for yourself so I realized yeah. I couldn't continue to tell my clients that they needed to create ongoing content. I had to show them what that looks like and that's part of why I do the show too. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and it seems a bit of like your your secret sauce. Um, it helps you access like this smallest viable audience that will connect to that because there's a, a certain, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a certain audience within America that loves theater and maybe they're starting a business. And so when they see this theater kid doing the thing that they want to do, like that easily right there breaks down barriers and gets you more uh, connections, gets you more relationships.
1: Absolutely, you figured it out.
0: Boom. So, what would you say to people? And, and do you, do you utilize this within your client work, but how do you, how do you get people to understand their passions and how to use that within their work to succeed?
1: So I often start with w- figuring out patterns, you know, and so just like mm-hmm. I figured out my own pattern with that Marie Forleo article of, oh, wait a minute, I'm having this same conversation over and over again.
0: That's mm-hmm. what I,
1: where I start with my clients where are you, what are you repeating over and over again? What's that bit of wisdom or the the type of advice or the type of um, insights that people are seeking out from you or that you are naturally sharing just repeatedly? And and that's a, a good yeah. place to say, oh, wait a minute, here's part of my brilliance work. And it's not just about passion as much as it's this combination of here is the place where the the intersection of what I'm good at and also what resonates with others. Because if you are repeating yourself again and again, or you're sharing the same bits of yourself or wisdom again and again, um, that's probably the crux of some really good content. So that's coming from a content perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, on the passion end of things when I'm working with people to kind of figure out their best offerings or to figure out how we're going to create their, um, the structure of their services and all that kind of thing I, you know I like to talk about what's the one thing like let's look at these three options here. What's the one thing that you could do it for 12 hours every day and not get miserably tired? I mean, everybody's exhausted by their work, but you know what is the one of these three things that's the path of least resistance to you that almost feels like cheating if you're doing it mm-hmm. and getting paid for it? and that's a good window <laughs> into, oh, here's you know, here's where your passions lie. And, and speaking of, like I was saying before, when I first started my business, I did a lot more copywriting and writing. Writing yeah. is definitely in my tool belt. I am a strong writer. and But yeah. what I realized after doing that for several years was when I spent a whole day writing for clients and I wrote yeah. books and I wrote articles and I wrote courses and I wrote all sorts of things for people, yeah. I was fried. It was painful. It was. It's, mm. I, I, I might be really good at it and people might be willing to spend a lot of money with mm-hmm. me to do it. But if I did this every day for the rest of my life, it just was going to like boil my brain. Whereas with the design and strategy work that I do, I could do that all day, every day. Like I could just do it for 12 hours at a time and feel like the time flew by. So that's where I kind of pivoted more into that and bringing more copywriters into my team versus me executing on that.
0: Yep. So yeah. And building a team is so essential to growing. And getting better and succeeding. Um, would you agree?
1: I would agree. Although I would say that I think that there's a big emphasis for, for small business owners to delegate quickly. Like, oh, you could just got someone on Upwork to do that. Or, oh, you could just hire a like whatever VA to do that for you. And when I was yeah. first building my team in the early years, I did that. I just hired quickly and I hired a lot. And I yeah. had a lot of people working for me. And I got sucked into that thing of, you know, anything that you, that is not your number one brilliance work, you should be delegating that. And I do agree, but I do think that a lot of people are misguided as to how easy that's going to be. Building a team Mm -hmm. is a whole other form, like it's a whole other skill
0: Mm -hmm. to be a leader Mm -hmm. and
1: to learn how to lead and to choose the right people and to make, you know, and create a company culture and all that kind of stuff. And so... Um, I've gone through lots of, uh, I've, I've grown and then I've shrunk and then I've grown and then I've shrunk several times over the years. Like I, I had a big team, you know, for a while and then had a lot of problems managing them and getting the work product that I needed. And so then I shrunk back down to just me and a couple of people and then I grew and then I shrunk. And so I think that's also part of the layering game as well. Each mm-hmm. your team member is a layer and it's not just like collecting you know, collecting car, like baseball cards that you're just like, Oh, here's another one. I'm just going to add to the mix. And <laughs> here's my, you know, yeah. folder with laminated pages. Like, no, no, no. Like you, it, and this is something I wish that um, there was a little bit more education for small business owners around what it looks like to really yeah. build a strong team. because It's not as easy as just finding somebody on a website and plugging them into your business and running. Each new Yay. team member typically takes three to six months to start to like, even before they ever really hit their, like really start fully working for you at the level that they will be, you know?
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: So it's a, it, that's probably one of the biggest challenges I would say as, as a business owner, that's speaking of friction and tension. Like that's, that's a tough one that I'm still working on and I'm always yeah. will be.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to throw this out to you. Is there Like when you thought of what we were going to talk about today, was there anything that you're like, ooh, I I want to say this or I want to talk about this? Or maybe there's something that, you know, you're going through right now that you could give anybody listening who's starting a business or trying to run a business. Is there anything you got?
1: One little nugget I can leave you with would be for people who are putting together content and they're struggling to come up with new ideas or what's going to really land for people. One of my tricks and my secrets is because people always ask me, they're like, how do you come up with your ideas for awkward marketing? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, (laughs) the truth is the best stuff comes from the content that or the best content comes from the things in my business, in my industry, in my client work that ticks me off. Um,
0: Ooh, so yeah. my
1: best content, and when I find myself getting frustrated about something or like, for example, here's, here's a good, like practical example. Every few months, one of the social networks will change its algorithm. Right. And then you see mm-hmm. a bunch of angry posts of people being like, I, or, you know, I, I see a lot of people complaining and whining like, Oh no, like Zuckerberg changed the algorithm again. Like I'm leaving <laughs> Facebook. I'm leaving this, I'm leaving that. And that really frustrates me. When I see that, I'm like, oh, I eye roll. I'm like, I'm sick of this. And so yeah. I, you know, I, I had that happen a few times. And there's that urge, like, to go on Facebook and post a rant and be like, everybody calm down and get your eyes on your own paper and just keep doing the work because we can't change Zuckerberg. But instead... Yeah. I use that. I see that as a signal like, oh, man, if I'm getting frustrated about this and if I feel really worked up about this, this is probably something that I should be turning into a teachable. This is something I could turn into content. So I created an episode of Awkward Marketing where it's like a pilot who's going, you know, his his plane is about to crash and he's like, mayday, mayday. And there's a guy on the Titanic that's like, oh, we're about to hit an iceberg and an astronaut <laughs> saying, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. And then talking about this whole sky is falling mentality that people have when social media changes and then coming in and saying, all right, here's what we can learn from this. Uh, here's yeah. why you need a website because you own it and you control it and you, you yeah. don't control social media and you never will. Um, yeah. And so I took that thing, that thing that frustrated me and that I was, you know, just a couple of clicks away from, you know, writing a Facebook rant about and instead turned it into a piece of productive content that contributes something positive to the marketing space helps people, Mm -hmm. teaches them. And that really is anytime I'm feeling frustrated about something, you know, in my industry with a client, whatever it might be, then I go and write that thing down. Cause I'm like, ah, instead of getting mad about this, this is a teachable moment and I can Mm -hmm. turn this into something positive and productive. And so I turn that negative energy into positive fuel. um, That's going to actually contribute something meaningful to the world and the people around me instead of just me simmering in my rage, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And you've probably rolled your eyes at me <laughs> a couple of times. No, I um, mean, and,
1: like, have you been like whining about Instagram? Maybe I did. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do a lot. I do, I uh, maybe not for the same reasons, but, um, and I think I've experienced that. Uh, recently, a lot recently, where it's just, yes, there's a ton of complaining, but it's all teachable, and it's all, like, spinnable. It's all, like, okay, cool, let's, let's see what's happening. Let's acknowledge it for the truth. Like, you're not going to be able to um, control Zuckerberg and control any of these algorithms, um, but what can you do? And go freaking do that, because that's the point.
1: Right, and I like to say complaining is boring. What are you gonna do about it? You know, so all the people that want to go and whine about, I mean, whatever it might be. I mean, and this is for you. You know, it's easy to go, you know, whine about a a difficult client. And it's like, okay, get that out of your system. But then, how are you gonna improve your processes? How are you gonna tighten up your um? contract How are you gonna expectation manage better at the beginning of your onboarding? Here are the ways that you can take the frustration you have about today's difficult client, for example, and turn yeah. it in a way that you're imp- you can turn it into something that's improving your business. You see something mm. in your industry that you don't like that you know or it's a myth that needs to be busted or a common practice that you think is you know whatever that you don't agree with, This is an opportunity to offer a new solution to people in your industry Mm -hmm. versus just whining and saying, oh, I hate when people do this. You know, that's not enough. Okay, so if you hate when people do X, what is your YZ solution? And and so and it's a really great way to turn, as I said before, that negative, frustrated energy into something powerful and positive and that's going to push you forward and it's going to help people. Um, So the things that tick you off and frustrate you are often really good indicators of places where you can create content, places where you can improve your process, places where you can, you know, do a better job with your clients. There's signals pointing you in the direction of the next layer of your business.
0: To keep up with Rachel, read her amazing blog and watch the awkward marketing video she puts out visit the show notes for all of those links, tensiontheory.com slash podcast slash 18. And again, if you would be willing, please leave a rating and comments on iTunes by visiting tensiontheory.com slash rate or following the links in my Instagram at tension theory. Thanks for hanging today. I'm Sean Waldron, and this is Tension Theory.